Wednesday on Foul Territory Live, aka FT Live. I feel like we are the Baltimore Orioles. We have debuts every other day. <laughs> we need some set up, we need some good celebrations like they have too. True, we'll get to so that. Like we need to come up with one for Brock Hole when he comes on. He, he likes, you know, the he likes the beer bong. Does he? Well, let's clap it up. I dabble. As we do, our our debut of the day. Welcome Brock Holt to the Foul Territory team. Great to see you. Who's behind you? Who you got behind you? That's Brock Holt. That's Boom. Brock Holt. That's there Brock Holt and little, little Brock Holt. Yeah, yeah. That's me and Griff after we won the World Series in 18. One of the coolest pictures I think ever taken. Um, but... I, I tell everyone, you know, it's, it's, I've got the number one. I'm pointing to some fans in the outfield, and and it looks like Griff's doing the same thing, but he's actually pointing at at the helicopters in the sky. So, um, <laughs> not the same, but um, cool cool moment for me and him to share, and got it painted, and it, it it'll be on the wall forever. Crassy, did you play against Holt? A little Yankees Red Sox action? Oh yeah, absolutely. We were did teammates you talk, together. Did you talk shit days. to him? Oh, you were teammates. Two whole him. days, huh? Wow. Two whole days. Brock always took he always took the days off whenever I was catching. He knew he knew I, I had it, you know, I was I was in there. I was in his head. So he never he never hit when I was when I was catching. So there were a lot of there were a lot of guys in my head when I was in the box. So. Wait, I'm pretty sure Brock uh when did you hit for the cycle? It's been multiple been multiple uh, occasions. No, what were your what were your occasions with the cycle? I hit I hit one at home at Fenway against the Braves, yep, and then I that hit was me. one. You're welcome. And, yep, yep. And then I hit one against the Yankees um, in the postseason. So, okay, uh, the Braves. One. You're welcome. I should get a cut of that. I don't know if you. I don't know if you were catching that day. I think I, it was. Levar, I think it was Levar, Levar what, what, what Was that twenty? What? 15? You weren't an everyday guy? I thought you were an everyday guy. I was. No, I think it was a day game. Day game getaway. He was probably, he was probably resting. He was probably up in the clubhouse. With his, yeah. His, feet, his up, feet up. Smacking some ice cream. No. Yeah. No, I'm like Gabe Cowper, dude. I, I only put it in my mouth and then I spit it out. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, might as well continue the theme because it was a big deal yesterday. Brock Holt, who wins in a fight? Phil Nevin, our guest from yesterday, or Gabe Kapler, uh, manager of Ross Stripling, our guest from yesterday. Yeah, I I, uh, I was actually watching you guys debate this, and I I don't think there's a de- I don't think it's a debate. I think Phil Nevin, I think he just dominates. Um, you don't even think it's a debate? Gabe I don't think Kapler's a-, a house. Well, he's a house, but I mean, you can be a house, and I mean, I I don't know. I I don't see it in Gabe Kapler to be a fighter. I I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but yeah, I'm I got sure Gabe he's gotten in fights. I got oh. Gabe Kapler being a little soft underneath. The, the outer <laughs> kind, the outer shell kind of like the guy to my right here you don't yeah. know that i don't know i'm just I'm, you guys have similar body types you know, I, I run these streets in orlando <laughs> <Do you? laughs> hey be careful paul pierce found out i got stabbed one time oh shit and no. charles barkley remember like threw that. a guy through a window here that's all in orlando oh dude orlando's yes. got a long history of people doing dumb shit well what i do is then i run to the gate and i close the gate <laughs> <laughs> See, he's got- i've got the clicker for the gate <laughs> Do something shitty and then so, run and close the gate. You have, you have. So we just had this old coach named Raz, Eric Rasmussen. He was our minor league mm-hmm. coach, pitching coach for a long time. And he's when we played against Gabe Kapler, he'd say he had prison body. Because in prison, you only do bench press, and you only do arms. No one does squats. So he had the little tiny legs and the big body. So he'd be like, bod. "No, he called it prison body." He's like, "Oh, here he comes, prison body." <laughs> I think. No, I take, I take Gabe Kapler's body, no doubt. <laughs> so it's I'd Scott. Take, I'd take his body, but 
I, I don't know, Phil Nevin. I, I, I just, I see him, I see him taking that that easy. So we we have a gem of a guest list today, Joe West, the Joe West joining us. Haven't heard from him in a minute. So can he yeah. talk? He won't shut up. Okay. I mean, when I called him to come on, I, I'm like, Joe, I gotta go. It's it's nine o'clock at night. Like, I, you've been talking to me for two hours. Like, the only time you ever talking to me was you're rejecting me. Like, hold on. Like, I gotta go to bed. So, Joe, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays are still undefeated. Brandon Lau, who homered yesterday on a first pitch changeup in the fifth inning, is going to join us and talk about the celebrating they're doing and the lead that they're creating in the East. And then Jen McCaffrey does a great job writing for the Athletic covers the Red Sox. So we, we got Brock Starr with all the Red Sox stuff behind him. We'll talk to Jen coming up in a little bit, too, about a team that, I mean, anybody's falling behind. If you lose a game, you're falling behind right now because the Rays don't stop winning at the moment. But Red Sox raised today. And uh, some of you know, we got the, the foul territory group chat with the betting going on. And we're, we're texting around, and like one of our guys who's who's been the hottest, he thinks today's the day. I, I think I think you listen, think today's boy the Chris day. Hill, Brock's boy Chris Hill, slinging that stuff from over here. Lefty yeah. slinger. He's he's had a good history in Tampa, also. Hmm. Don't tell yeah, that. Yeah, and then and then you've got it, and then you've got a rookie making his debut right for the race. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Brandon Lau might have that day off against Chris Sale. We heard Jason Kipnis the other day say, "Oh, Sale's pitching. That was my back got a little sore." I mean. There might be some boys. Brandon Lau might have some sailitis today. Yeah, there's some there's some tight ham there's some tight hamstrings there's some tight hamstrings walking <laughs> in the trough today for sure. They're still favored, Kratzy. They're minus one thirty. The Rays. Um, it's not it's not steep, but Red Sox at plus one ten uh, for their game at six forty Eastern. So we'll get to that with Lau. Let's lead things off before we get to Jen here and start with the Miami Marlins, baby. At least while they're playing decent ball, you got to cover those kind of teams because you know how it is. Like Nats, Rockies, Marlins, the teams that, that have struggled for years, A's. You got to give them love early because come July, August, September, you might not even know they exist on this show because <laughs> we like to talk about relevance. And right now they're relevant. Luis Arise, cycle. And hey, I'm not the biggest cycle person. I don't know. If- we have one on here that apparently has two. That's true. Multiple. Yeah, including postseason. Postseason, the only one ever. So I was there. So Luis Arise, he can come talk to me when he hits one in the postseason, all right? <laughs> <laughs> He's been a Marlin for 12 games. And also, yeah, he can come talk to you when he hits one in the postseason because then I don't think you're ever going to have a conversation with Luis Arise. Can we show the tweet one more time? I want to read it out because I didn't have it on my screen. Throw it up there one more time. There it is. Jason Stark. The Marlins have been around for 30 years. 548 different hitters had come to the plate wearing their uniform before tonight. They had combined four zero cycles. Luis Arise has been a Marlin for 12 games. Arise one cycle. Everyone else, not a cycles. I think he's going to be great with Miami, Kratzy. And it, I think it actually was a great baseball trade, which I appreciate. That offseason deal, Pablo Lopez goes to the Twins. He's been great with them. And Arise is special as a hitter. And the Marlins offense has been bottom of the barrel for a long time so good for them when we at least look at it from the team perspective for sure I think both teams are getting good players but like who's whose radar is it making a bigger blip on Luisa Rise normally just you know hitting 310 with like a 350 OPS I mean a 350 uh, on base percentage or is it Pablo Lopez who just absolutely shoves and helps a team that is pretty much a playoff team to me 
take that next that next step to be the division winner. Like I think I think the white I mean the the twins got the bigger better part of that deal. I think it's cool, you know, and hitting for the cycle, that's unbelievable. I like both players. I thought it was a trade that made sense for both sides. Twins wanted a, you know, a mid-range to upper level starter in their rotation in Lopez. And for the Marlins, like their offense has been terrible for years. They haven't been able to develop any position player prospects. So in my mind, Brock, I thought it was a great trade. I don't know if I'm going to be able to grade. It's going to take a while. Which team won the trade right now I would pretty much say it's it's equal as a win for both sides yeah I mean I think where the twins were needing needing that arm um you know I think it's it's perfect for them I I just it's it's hard it would be hard for me to trade a batting champ that plays every single day um I know AJ's big on the the starting pitchers you know they, they only play one, once every five days I mean you need them you need good starting pitchers to go deep in into the you know, into the season, into the postseason, and end up winning. But it would be hard for me to get rid of a guy like like Luis Arise and and the way he, you know, puts at bats together and gets on base and, and gets big hits when you need them. Um, like you said, it's early, um, but I think both teams, I think both teams are going to come out on top on this one. Here's the thing for me with Arise leaving: the, the Twins didn't have a hitting problem last year. They had a we can't get anybody out problem, right? So they needed that starting pitcher and. If you have to, you always have to give up something to get something. And in order to give, you had to give up Luis Arise, who isn't, listen, he won the batting title. He killed it in the WBC. Let's not forget. Now he's found a power stroke from the WBC. So it'll help the Marlins because, like you said, Scott, the Marlins have had a hard time scoring runs for years. But the Twins had a pitching problem. Remember, they had Archer, Dylan Bundy, all these guys last year that could go four innings and then they had to rely on their bullpen. That's why they were terrible last year. Their record was terrible. But Lopez can go innings. He gave him, what, seven, I think, last mm-hmm. night? Quality innings left with the lead. Uh, and then you have uh, Sonny Gray in there. You have these guys now with the Twins. that Their starting pitching is much better, which makes them a much bigger threat. And losing Luis Arise, he was kind of out of position. He was playing first base, not really a first baseman, didn't, didn't, didn't profile as a first baseman. So I, I feel like it's going to help the Twins more. But it's good for the Marlins, man. Let's get some stars in there and let's start. Let's see some guys do some stuff for the Marlins, score some runs, make the East tougher. They picked up Tyler Malley last year, the Twins. Kenta Maeda's back. It's a very different looking rotation. It's a different looking team for me. Yeah. Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan. Gallo just hit the injured list. He wasn't wasn't hitting anything else. No, he, he wasn't. That's true. Good call. <laughs> Joey Gallo Joey Gal- is a streaky guy, though, man. Whenever he gets hot, he's he gets hot, and he de- he doesn't get out. He hits homers. He does everything. But you know, obviously, everybody knows Joey Gallo is gonna sh- he's gonna strike out. But um, he play. I, I love that that signing for them because I I think a fresh start for him. Get him out there. He plays good defense. He runs the bases. He's 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 a good teammate. Um, I think that I think Minnesota is gonna be a good spot for Joey in in, in the long run. People thought he was going to explode in New York, short porch, play with all the bashers, could kind of just fit in lower down in the lineup. And they were no. like, oh, it's Joey and it's Rizzo. He actually and did well when he went to L.A., though. He did okay. I think he did well, well he did for better like than a compar- couple weeks. And then but it, here's it, the thing. It, when it, you play in a place like Texas where he came up. Yeah. I played in Texas. Brock, I think you played in Texas. I too, did. Right? I did. Yep, I did. There's not a lot of pre- – dude, it's a Cowboys town. Listen. You, you, they're they're there. They're, they come support you, but when you look at the newspaper every day, they're talking Cowboys. The Rangers are kind of 
back, well, I don't want to say back page, but a little bit lower on the, uh, the totem pole. Is that good? There's no pressure. Yeah. Go play. Have fun. Yeah. You go to New York, you go to Boston, guess what? Every move you make, there's somebody saying, well, why'd you eat your sandwich that way? Why'd you, why'd you do this? And why'd you do that? That doesn't happen in Texas, right? So that is a big thing. And then he got off to a bad start. Yeah. Which is the worst thing you can do in one of those places. Cause then they're just waiting to call for your head. Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he's getting booed, you know, three, two games in, you know, Texas, you go, you go, you play the game, you go, you, you strike out three times, you go in the clubhouse, you, you take a shower, you, you eat dinner, you go home. You don't, you don't have to answer any questions about it. Um, you know, it's, it's different. It's different in different places. And, and Joey, you know, Joey kind of experienced that. And that's why I think Minnesota is going to be a good, a, a good fit for him. Um, I think he's going to help that team. Let, let's jump up to Toronto. So that game was fun. Um, Blue Jays fell behind early on. Tigers, I think, went up 3 nothing, and then they scored nine in a row. Five homers. Also, and they brought the fences in. I'm sure you'll have a comment on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, they made a bandbox even smaller. Go ahead. Go ahead dude, the start. ball flew in Toronto anyways. Like, listen, <laughs> you could just flick balls out of there into, like, the third deck, and BP it was like, boop, 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 homer, homer, homer. Right? So then they bring the fences in, and they lower the fences. Good luck, pitchers. Lowering the fences is awesome for me. Well, Pats, yeah. And, and well, now, yeah, now it's now all those homers, people are going to have a chance to catch them now. Exactly. Like Kevin Kiermaier. And here, here's Shai Davidi saying, yeah, five homers. That's a home opener, too. I was like, damn, we've been like two weeks into the season. They haven't been home yet? Holy shit. They've gone through enough over the last few years, too. They, I feel like they're never home. So they're finally back. Kratz, they're hitting a ton of homers. So, and, so two things for me. One, I love lowering the wall to eight-ish feet because that gives everyone a chance for home run robbery, which is one of the coolest plays in the sport. The other question I have, though, strategically, Kratz, is did we need to bring in the fences and create more power in Toronto? Baltimore just did the opposite, and it looks like it's helped them as a ball club. It's helping them recruiting pitchers. As it is, it's tough to recruit players to get them to go up to Toronto, eat up all the taxes, be in a different country, deal with the passport stuff. And now it's, oh, hey, do you want to just give up a ton of rockets? I don't know if that helped the team strategically. I don't really know why they did it. I I am not sure. I, I feel like it was completely outside of the scope of what the team's success needs to be. You look at a team like the Royals, their entire minor leagues, they just try to develop absolute horses that just run everything down in that huge outfield. So now as an organization with the Blue Jays, are you like, hey, we got a bunch of – like, are, are they making – is this like a strategic move to say, hey, Vladdy, Bo – Gavin, like all these guys, are you guys, you're going to resign here because now we're playing in the smallest park, you know, in, in all of baseball. I mean, before it was, it was a Homer dome. Now it's, now it's like great American small park. All right. Next up a few things before we get to Jen McCaffrey on the Red Sox. Shohei Otani strong again, even though he's really hard on himself. 19 innings, three starts, 047 ERA. He said, I feel like the only issue right now is walks. Yeah. His command looks off and it doesn't even matter for him right now. This Seven stuff shutties. is disgusting. Yeah. It's disgusting. You watch him like, okay, so we watched him in the WBC, Rocky watched him in the WBC, the stuff he was throwing, but now he's just carried that over to the regular season. And the thing for him has always been walks. He's not walking a lot of guys right now. I thought he, I mean, he's got a, let me, let me but look But not, not like he was. The whole key from the games I've watched in the past, people would wait him out and he'd walk. Now he's not doing that. 
and he's just mowing through teams. And it is it, – it's. I don't want to hit off him. I don't he know about five you. five walks last night. Yeah, but – and four that start before. That's a lot. That's yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of walks. I think, I mean, I still, think for him, though, he's, like, boom, he's, he's more efficient, maybe. It's his and, splitter. Wise, yeah. Like, yeah. If, you, if you could just not swing at his splitter, you'd probably walk every time. But it's impossible to take that pitch because it looks it looks like a fastball. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've had the privilege of standing in the box against him, and it's, it's not fun. Um, but he's an unbelievable athlete, obviously. Power, hitter, um, can run like the wind, but... Yeah, he's he's different on the mound. And the ump thought he was cheating. <laughs> what an idiot! Yeah, <laughs> dude, yeah. He's, he's been on the mound for what? This is his third start of the season, and he's got his pitch come like yeah, it's like up it's here. under his armpit, and he uses it like a. I, I said it a, a couple weeks ago. Clearly, that ump's not paying attention to our show. He uses it like a game controller, like yeah. he's playing a video game. He's got the buttons memorized, and he clicks the button, and then he he picks his pitches. And then he goes. It's a quicker, more efficient way to do things, especially because he has a million pitches. He's pro- I know he's a gamer, so it's easy for him. But it's better than like, having it on the belt. Because I hate when the pitcher has it on their belt and they're like, is anybody looking? Oh, but, but no one else has done this. No, it's copied Otani under the armpit. It it's probably just, is uncomfortable for some people. Or also pitchers are worried that they're going to press the wrong button and then cross ooh, up their catcher. Yeah, I'd be pissed about that. You would, right? Yeah. I mean, that's not fun for you. But, uh, but, yeah, but you push the button and doesn't it say something in your ear? Like, yeah. hey, like yeah. oh, that's not the one I wanted. I'm going to push the different button. Yeah, what happens if the pitch clock's running down? He's just pushing buttons and panic. Right. He's got Fastball, change up, split, slider, <laughs> sweeper, well. yeah, slutter. Part of it. Slutter. You better know where the buttons are. <laughs> Alfonso Marquez, by the way, was the guy behind the plate. It was kind of funny. Um, well, he because he his face after he... substance. Hey, what is that? What is that? It's oh. called a pitch com. Alfonso. But after he realized what he did, his face was precious because Alfonso was kind of embarrassed. He's like, oh, I'm an idiot. I'm going to turn back, put my mask on. No yeah, one will see me again. Our first guest joining us right now from The Athletic. She covers the Red Sox every damn day. Jen McCaffrey joining us right now. Jen, we appreciate the time. Great to talk to you. I actually want to flip that over to you really quick, the conversation we were just having because um, Alfonso Marquez uh, thought that Shohei Otani might be using – a foreign substance and finds out that he just has like a video game controller under his armpit for pitch comp. So uh, great to have you on, but also wanted to get your thoughts on how, how do you stop foreign substances? Cause it, to me, it has not been cracked at all and solved and it just keeps going up again. The spin rates. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think AJ was saying it just a few minutes ago, like you see the umpires checking the guy's hands, but it doesn't really even look like they're doing that much. Um, I don't know. You know, uh, like you said, maybe you just give guys one substance across the board that, you know, everyone can use. But I don't know. Guys are going to look for advantages any way they can. Like this is this is the name of the game. Guys have done this for, you know, decades. You know, this is how you kind of get ahead in the game is looking for any sort of advantage you can. So, yeah, we've seen pitching, you know, these spin rates go through the roof lately. And obviously offense has suffered. Um, But uh, yeah, the league has to figure something out. And yeah, it doesn't seem like uh, it's quite there yet. Jen, uh, we talked about this earlier. I don't know if you could hear us or not. We, we were, the Rays are 11-0. They're playing the Red Sox today. Chris Sale's back. We said that streak ends – well, I did. I said I think the streak ends today because of Chris Sale. What have you seen from him since he's come back, and, and what are the Red Sox thinking about him for the future? Yeah, he had a he had a terrific spring training. Um, you know, spring training obviously is spring training, but just where he's been in his career in terms of all the injuries 
and all the setbacks that he's had from Tommy John to the broken pinky last year to the, you know, the broken wrist um, uh, recovering from the pinky fracture, all these things, you know, having him come out in spring training and have a really strong spring training and, and, you know, his fastball life was up to in the high, high nineties, up to 96, 97, maybe not where it was, you know, back in 16 and 17, but um, that was all promising. And then the season starts and you can almost tell that there was a little bit of a, I don't want to say like a, a letdown, but you know how guys at the end of spring training end up getting a little tired. It seemed like maybe his uh, energy ran out a tad bit at the start of the season, which is not what you want, obviously. Um, and that first, you know, uh, start that he had at Fenway was was brutal. And, you know, he said it was the most embarrassed he's felt on the field, um, you know, in his career. So he, he's he's always been a stand up guy. He always kind of tells it how it is and, you know, kind of um just tells you when he sucks and he did that first start he came back and did pretty well against uh, uh Detroit um you know and ended up um you know riding the ship a little bit but again you know Detroit's lineup isn't <laughs> nearly what uh the Rays have been doing lately so this is going to be another big test for him and to see kind of where he is and and how he's uh going to be able to bounce back here so I think yeah this is a this is a big one for him and to, to see how he can you know put together what where where is he is he somewhere you know is he uh closer to that first start where he was really bad or is he you know getting closer to you know this start that he just had against uh, Detroit I think it was Thursday uh and you know kind of figuring things out and getting better and finding more of the shape on his pitches the shape on his slider using the change up and all that um I think yeah this is obviously a huge test and like you said the Rays being as hot as they are trying to knock them down a peg uh is a monumental task but um, it's got to have, they're not going to go 162 and 0. So at some point they're going to end up falling and maybe, uh, maybe sale will be the one to kind of shut them down today. We'll see. So has sale grown up? Cause usually when he had bad starts, he'd go in and break TVs and all that. Did he do any of that before, <laughs> after his start? So he, he, he still has that fiery, uh, you know, attitude for sure. You know, uh, all the, the cutting up the jerseys and all that business, but, uh, and yeah, you know, breaking a TV and, uh, in triple a last year when he was, uh, having a rehab start. But, uh, I think, uh, more of what I mean is just kind of coming out and like talking about how, uh, you know, how his performance has been and kind of how he feels about, you know, what, what he's been on the mound. I think, you know, I think you guys all know probably better than me because you've been around him so much more of just, yeah, that fiery attitude that he has, how much of a competitor he is. And, you know, I think he's just, uh, obviously everyone has been frustrated with the way, you know, uh, things have gone from him, him the past few years, but he's talked, you know, pretty candidly about how, uh, much of a struggle it's been mentally of just, you know, being at the very top of your game and then kind of not being able to do it anymore. And, you know, having these injuries uh, confront you and all you guys kind of know that too, of just, you know, sometimes stuff like this happens and he's trying to work his way back and he's gotten there at points. And then you can see it. Yeah, obviously it's still a work in progress. It's not going to be a, you know, a linear path to, to, uh, to kind of coming back and shutting guys out right away. So, uh, yeah, like I said, this, this Rays game is going to be a, the start against the Rays tonight is going to be a big one for him to see kind of, uh, the litmus test of kind of where he is, uh, in, in that progression of coming back. Just keep him off the bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah, what about I want to I want to talk about the article you wrote about Wink about Winkowski. I kind of I I run into him when I was a I don't even know what my role was. I was some kind of representative in the minor leagues for player development, and I had I, I really talked and sat down a lot with Wink, and I really his stuff I think is unbelievable. He had a heavy sinker. He was just really almost a one pitch guy coming up through the minor leagues that had kind of that same fiery attitude. 
tell me about the article that you wrote wrote and like what the changes he's making and where where it could lead him yeah, so uh, so Josh Winkowski is one of the guys that they picked up in the deal from uh, Kansas City uh, for Andrew Benintendi a couple years ago. So kind of worked his way, you know, up through the Red Sox system over the past year or so. And then last year debuted um, in the rotation when the Red Sox had all those uh, rotation injuries around June of last year and really got thrust into a situation that maybe he wasn't quite ready for. The Red Sox even admitted it. You know, they had to kind of use a lot of guys that, weren't quite, you know, ready to pitch in the majors, whether it was Winkowski or, you know, Cutter Crawford or even uh, Brian Bayo. Um, they have a lot of, you know, guys in that kind of situation. And uh, Winkowski just, you know, he he had a good couple of outings here and there, but by the end you could tell it was just, uh, it had gotten a little too much for him. Things started to snowball a little bit too much. He was trying to search for swings and misses, and obviously that's not a huge part of his game. He's kind of more of a pinpoint guy. So, uh, yeah, he talked all about that. Um, ended the year with like a 5.89 ERA, you know, and just was really disappointed with his rookie season and kind of working his way all the way up and then getting there and kind of being this mediocre, you know, uh, having mediocre results. And he was really frustrated by that. So he went into the offseason, kind of made a plan with the Red Sox, you know, pitching coach uh, Dave Bush and, and the, you know, the Red Sox development staff and really worked uh, pretty uh, – so he lives down in Fort Myers um, year-round. He grew up in that area, went to high school down there, and he's lived there now. So he has access to um, the not only the Red Sox coaches at JetBlue Park where the Red Sox are in spring training, but just um, all the facilities. And kind of – I think having that uh, really helped him kind of hone in on a, a routine this offseason, not only to get stronger, but just to work on all these things that he wanted to change um, in his – in his repertoire, really, he kind of revamped a lot of things. So he worked with uh, rehab um, minor league pitching coach uh, Dan DeLucha down there at Fort Myers pretty much five days a week. Uh, and they were, you know, they they fixed his windup. They fixed uh, his slider grip. Um, they used, like, colored baseballs to try to figure out what kind of spin and grip he should use that was going to, you know, get to where he wanted it to be. Um, they increased his cutter usage. Uh, they decided to, yeah, kind of increase uh, his sinker. So, yeah, he just he kind of revamped uh, a lot of what went into what he what he had done the, the rookie year that obviously um, didn't produce the results that he wanted. And this year he's been the best guy out of their bullpen um, and, and, you know, has been deployed in uh, varying, you know, multi-inning roles, one-inning roles. So he's he's been really good for them. And I think, um, yeah, is, is a – a reason why they've, you know, been in a few of these games here, even though they're having an uneven, you know, start to the year or frustrating start to the year. He's helped them um, save some of the, the rest of the arms in the pen and also just put up really good numbers. And he's hoping, obviously, it's going to continue. Um, so so we'll see if he can keep it up the rest of the year. Now, you were saying that he was down in Fort Myers doing this. Was he saying, was he, was he at the lab? Was he in their, like, new biomechanical lab that they put in? Yeah. Yeah. They were, yeah. They at there at the park there at, at uh, JetBlue park, they have, you know, that's been a big focus for them is kind of building up JetBlue park is sort of like one of their year round facilities. I had done a story uh, at the end of spring training at the beginning of the, the beginning of this season that, um, you know, they had a huge focus of sort of um, not only building up their staff to kind of help their players get better, but also to try to keep building up uh, JetBlue park to make it, sort of a, um, yeah, a year-round facility for all their guys, not just guys in extended spring training or guys in the Florida Complex League, but guys, play, a place where guys, major leaguers, could go in the winter 
to get more. And, and they have in past years, obviously sale uh, is another guy that lives down in that area in the Naples area. So he spent a large portion of his past few years rehabbing down there, but over the years, they've really built up. Um, yeah. The facility at, at, uh, at JetBlue park and, and what they can offer guys and having, yeah, just all the technology that uh, you hear everywhere they're they're trying to put uh, implement and kind of uh, have for these guys to, to be able to use um, one of the, the Red Sox uh, player development um, director, Brian Abraham, you know, visited some of their minor leaguers that were working out at, at driveline this winter and went out there and visited driveline to see, you know, what can we uh, take away from these kind of facilities? This is where a lot of major leaguers go to, you know, uh, improve their game. Like what kinds of things are we, they doing there that we can use and kind of implement and um, bring to JetBlue park. So, yeah, I think, um, that's a that's been a big uh, emphasis for for the Red Sox too over the past couple of years. All right, Jen. Hey, Brock, it's, it's how you me. doing? Yeah, good. How are you? This weird, weird being on this side of it. Yeah, this right. Side of it with you. Yeah, I'm tired of talking about all the pit, pitching and and this and that, but I I want to know what the vibe is at around Fenway Park with with kind of this new look this new look Red Sox team. There's been a lot of changes. There's there's been some heat on on Heim and, and, and ownership, I want to know what the vibe is around Fenway Park. Are fans carrying over from FanFest, the booze from FanFest? Are they bringing that to, to Fenway Park? Is is there some positivity around this crew, or, or or how's that going? Yeah, yeah, it's that's been a big, you know, obviously a big topic around here uh, the past several months. But, you know, obviously since Winterfest when, you know, John Henry and, and Sam Kennedy and the Red Sox front office were booed at a fan event, um, mainly because of, you know, the, the Xander Bogarts uh, situation that kind of went off the rails and, you know, the team didn't get an extension done with him. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, it's been fans have been frustrated. I think there's a portion of fans that are always going to support the team no matter what and show up. But at the same time, um, the stands haven't been as full lately. You know, you, you, you expect uh, the beginning of the season, people to be really excited to see the Red Sox and those games, you know, to be sold out. And yeah, some of the games have been cold, but there have been past years where fans are showing up in April and just bundle up and there's been sellouts. So um, the only sellout they'd had at Fenway in that first home stand was, was opening day. So um, yeah, I think, I think this is all having a down, a trickle down effect um, inside the clubhouse. You know, I think the guys it's, it's a new group, you know, there is no more uh, Bogarts. There is no more JD Martinez, you know, Nathan Avaldi, you know, Rich Hill was here last year. There was a, a pretty big, you know, uh, even Christian Vasquez, you know, had been with the team for so long. Um, drafted in 2008 and you know there's it's been a big turnover inside the clubhouse and it's been noticeable um, but even in spring training you know I think it was just sort of a sense of like uh, a fresh start almost you know a lot of these guys coming from other places and you know not necessarily feeling the pressures of what happened last year or what didn't happen last year or the previous years because they weren't here so I think inside the clubhouse you know the guys are are gelling and you know Obviously, the start to the season hasn't been what they wanted, and losing Adam Duvall, obviously with the the wrist fracture the other day, is a massive blow because he was a huge part of the lineup, especially these first few games here. Uh, so replacing him in the lineup is going to be hard, and I think obviously that probably has a little bit of a trickle down effect to the rest of the clubhouse just being you know down a little bit in that sense of what are we going to do now, but. Yeah, uh, the vibe around Fenway in terms of fans and I guess, yeah, the media coverage, I think people are just wanting to see more out of this team and see what this team can do. But 
like you mentioned, yeah, this is a big year for Hein Bloom. Um, you know, what the team put together this winter and kind of figuring out how they can, um, yeah, retool this team and see if they're going to be able to compete in the AL East. And obviously right now they're sitting in last place and it's only 11 games in, but you guys know as much as anybody that, you know, you can't fall too far behind too early on, especially in the AL East because it's such a juggernaut of division. Yeah. You mentioned the fans and the, and the people not showing up. There's been more empty seats this year than I can ever remember at Fenway. Is this kind of a, a informal protest by the fans saying, why in the holy crap did you not bring back Xander Bogarts? We're the Red Sox. We don't let these generational guys walk away. We, we keep these guys as a Red Sox for their life. You trade away Vasquez, who you mentioned was there forever. You lose Xander Bogarts. You didn't really, they didn't really go out and get a, a, a star. Right, so is this? A, I know they signed Devers, but why not Bogarts? Why Remember Mookie Betts? Mookie Betts. He they have the money. Red Sox years ago. So uh, people forget, but why <laughs> is this a protest from the fans? And why did they let? How can you let Xander Bogarts walk if you're the Red Sox? Yeah, I mean, you got. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I feel like it started with Mookie Betts, you know, back in 2020, and it's been kind of a progression since then of. Uh, trying to, from their perspective, from the front office perspective, trying to make this a more sustainable roster. And in that, in, in that vein, they've traded away a lot of their marquee players or, or just not re-signed a lot of their marquee players. And fans are not taking it well, as they shouldn't be, because this is a billion-dollar franchise. Obviously, they're one of the, the marquee teams in the league, and they have not had a good past few years. They made it, you know, within two wins of the, of the World Series in 21. But 2020 was last place, you know, 2019, like, was disappointing. You know, last year was disappointing. So, um, yeah, fans, I think, are, you know, frustrated. And they're showing that by not showing up. And as they should be, you know, they should be holding this team accountable. These are expensive ticket prices. It's not, you know, a family of four. You know, you want to bring your family to the game. It's not like you can roll up and buy tickets, you know, for 20 bucks and get a good seat. So, yeah, I think fans are frustrated, frustrated with the product on the field frustrated with not bringing back some of these players that they've grown to know and love over the years and uh yeah i and you know i think ownership is starting to maybe understand that and says they understand that but i mean until you know the fans really stop showing up i think that's really when it's gonna hit you know hit it where it hurts um because it all it all comes down to money you know and that's that's where things uh that's that's where people make their biggest uh kind of their voices heard i guess so we'll see if this trend continues, if, you know, if over the summer things start to fill back up. But, um, yeah, I think people are just generally frustrated with the direction of the team and the fact that this is a team with a, one of the top 10 payrolls. It used to be right at the very top, and they're still just not producing and don't have, you know, any marquee players outside of Devers. There's kind of Devers and a lot of good players, but no, you know, superstars outside of Devers. Was the, was the, I mean, talk about the fans again, was the fan sentiment about like getting rid of Xander, was that kind of forcing them to sign Devers or were they going to sign Devers the whole way? Cause I think they offered Xander like a hundred million or something like that. You know, was this, cause they, they've gotten rid of Mookie. They got rid of Xander. They've gotten rid of guys that they could have, you know, kept around. Was it a forceful thing that the fans manipulated that also? I mean, it, it kind of looked like that because, you know, it was a month or so later that they end up signing Devers as this big deal. But honestly, like the Devers, you know, deal was in the works pretty much 
uh, from the be very for a while, but like it really picked up steam in in like October, right after the end of the season. Uh, the Red Sox went to down to the Dominican and visited with him. Eddie Romero was assistant GM, and had they'd been kind of uh, going back and forth with Devers agents, you know, kind of earlier on. But at the same time, uh, they should have and could have been able to, you know, get both of them done. I think that's the biggest frustration for people. While it looked like, you know. Uh, we are not, you know, signing Devers or signing Bogarts so that we can sign Devers. I don't know if that was necessarily the case, but it was more, it should have just gotten, Bogarts should have just been gotten done earlier. Um, and, you know, in the spring, they, you know, last spring they gave him, he had a, a few years left on the, on the deal that he had signed in 2019 and they gave him an extra year um, tacked onto that deal. And it was sort of uh, a slap in the face to, to Bogarts. And he's, he sort of said that since it ended up being what amounted to a four year, $90 million deal. You look at the, the deal that he ended up getting, but all the, also the deals that had already been signed for other shortstops of his caliber. Um, and yeah, you can see why he'd be offended and frustrated. So I think uh, fans see and read and hear all that. Um, and, and they see, they just see uh, the frustration, uh, you know, from some of these guys of not getting these um, kind of deals done. And, um, and yeah, and that's, you know, there's the Red Sox have been sticking with this plan to try to kind of retool their uh, internal structure with the, with the team and hope that some of the prospects they have in the pipeline will kind of make this a more sustainable roster for the future and are trying to get to more of like what, you know, uh, a Dodger system has been like where they can, they can sign a lot of these big name players because uh, you know, they have a pipeline of, you know, uh, really talented, uh, you know, prospects. But uh, fans don't want to hear that. You know, they know, you know, the team has money. They know John Henry has money and they don't necessarily care. You know, they just want you, the team to spend and to keep spending and put a good product on the field. And they haven't they haven't done that lately. And so, you know, it's their uh, their right to, you know, not show up because the team isn't doing great. Yeah. So as a Red Sox guy, Red Sox fan, I'm rooting for him. I, I, I find it hard to believe that that Haim and, and ownership aren't doing their best to, to put the best product on the field. For me, the Bogarts thing, that, that one hurt. That, that, that one hurt as, as, as his, his buddy, his, his, his teammate. Um, I wanted to see him in his career in, in Boston. But my question goes to like, what, what with, the, with the guys brought in, I like some of the moves that were made. Obviously, Adam Duvall, he's out for a while. He was, he was on fire. But what does a successful season look like um, for the Red Sox moving forward, um, are we talking about you know third place in the division? Are we talking about winning the division? Are we talking about making the playoffs? What does that look like? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't like. I don't doubt that they're you know trying to uh, put up you know a, a good team together by getting a lot of these players like Justin Turner. You know, uh, Duvall, you mentioned. You know, bringing in like Corey Kluber. These are very you know good players and talented players, but at the same time. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, not signing Bogarts and kind of not going all in, I think is where people are, are the most frustrated and, you know, Hein kind of has to stick to the blueprint that's laid out in front of him. But, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's just been frustrating. I think all around for, uh, for fans just kind of watching this kind of feel and feeling like they're sliding down this hill and there's no, you know, end in sight. When is this going to start to turn around? Um, they've been told this sustainability uh, line for a while now and haven't quite seen the results. So a successful season, you know, I don't, you know, like 
getting a wild card spot. You know, I think I don't know that they can expect that much more. I mean, obviously the Yankees and the, and the, and the Jays and obviously now the Rays, uh, you know, I think we're always in the mix, but even more so now after such a hot start. Uh, and, you know, the Orioles are coming off such a good year and they're not going to go be going anywhere. So if you can sneak into the playoffs, I think that would be a surprise for most people because I think most people just assume the Red Sox are going to be one of the bottom two teams in the division. Um, so if they can somehow, you know, stay healthy uh, and make a run and maybe even just, you know, hope that the other teams get injured or, you know, have some uh, uh, losing streaks and they can kind of work their way in. Um, I think that's probably what the best they can, they can hope for now and, and see if the, the chips fall their way. But um, yeah, it's a weird time uh, in, in Boston for a team and for a franchise that's known um uh, for having, you know, won four World Series in this in this century and, you know, being right at the top, um, they're not right now. And I think, yeah, everyone's kind of noticing it and it's and they're they're trying to get back up there um, with, you know, uh, a roster that, you know, ha that has a payroll that's pretty high up there. But also, like I mentioned before, doesn't have as many of the superstar players that you, you know, knew from from years past. Weird go socks. Word. Yeah, go socks. Go with socks. But no, weird is a good word for what's going on up there. Yeah, right it's now. a strange so, time in yeah. Boston. Because yeah. normally you're used to them. They don't let Xander Bogarts walk. No. Well, they let Mookie walk. Uh, tr they traded him, though. At least they tried to get Right. You got something for him. True. But they just let Xander Bogarts. And he, that guy's a stud, of man. Of course. Yeah, and he's yeah. up to a great start. The Red Sox have him. John Henry, don't spend all your money in football. Spend your money in baseball. That's part of the conversation up there right now. Jen, thank you so much. It was great to talk to you. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Slap hands time. Let's hit it. Thank you. We all, we all slap hands. Slap, slap hands. hands. So I, I have two, two things <laughs> I, I want to cover for slap hands. One is, is more serious and one's whatever. Um, Edwin Diaz spoke for the first time since the injury. And he said, if everything goes well, I think I can be back quicker than eight months. I might throw this year. Mets fans are freaking out again. Got to make the playoffs first. But mm, we'll see. he's thinking about we'll October. See. Take it slow. He doesn't want to though, and he's in a he's in a contract too, so the concern level could change a little bit. Yeah, but take it slow. Be ready. Just... Yeah, but if the Mets are in the playoffs and Verlander and Scherzer are feeling it, here's the tweet from Tim Britton who covers the team. If everything goes well, think I'm back quicker than eight months. Might throw this year. Brock, if you were teammates with Edwin, aren't you checking up on him pretty frequently? If the team's in playoff range, like, hey, dude, how's it going? When are we seeing you? I mean, obviously, you want to have him out there. I mean, he's unhittable when he is. So, yeah, like, if you can get back, get back. But, I mean, you tear you tear your ACL and, and, and blow your knee up like he did. Or it's, you know, take your like, – like AJ said, take your time. Make sure you're healthy because um, you, you don't want that thing to keep hurt, keep hurt and keep bothering you. And I don't know, what, what leg was it? Is it push-off leg or his plant leg? It was left, wasn't it? Left patellar? I don't know. It was a patella tendon. I thought it was patella left. Tendon. I think it's left. It was left. Yeah, it was land leg. So it's land leg. So I mean, yeah. I mean, you got to make sure that thing's right. Kratz hats take over. We go back to another rehab assignment. These are all brand new hats because I obviously didn't wear them. But anybody? The fist? The fury? Bro Brock, the, that's the Redding fighting fills. Yeah, the Redding fighting fills. An absolute electric place to watch a game. Before the Savannah Bananas, there's the Redding fills. Not that's if you played in the old baseball. stadium. Not if you played in the old stadium. It was a hellhole. 
Great place to great place to hit too. It's the same stadium. Oh, place that place hit. sucks. <laughs> Dude, the lockers weren't wide enough. You couldn't put your shoes next to each other. You had to stack them on top of each other. Listen, old man River, I played there. Absolutely. It was like <laughs> still this the big. same crappy stadium? Yeah, it's a crappy stadium, but I the mean, place is electric. I mean, you're just describing every minor league stadium. No, yeah, at least most most stadiums right. your locker was wide enough you could put your shoes next to each other. Reading, you had to stomp them on, <laughs> stack them on top of each other because they didn't fit. That's what made it great. Yeah. That's what made it great. The only thing that made Reading cool was they had a soda machine in the locker room where you could oh, that's get healthy. your Coke. That was it. <laughs> yes, they well, did. And they had no space for anything else. No, it was didn't. built at a time when people had really tiny feet. So Apparently. Like, small enough that you couldn't put your shoes next to each other. <laughs> no, you wore your cleats to the game then. You didn't yes. have to put shoes in. You wore your whole uni to the game. Hey, shout out to Jordan Walker. Have to do it every show until he doesn't uh, log a hit in a game. So it's 11. And lastly, can we show the uh, Phil Nevin dressing? The fake plant like you? I didn't get to cover it with him on the show. He had so much to do with Phil Nevin. But I just wanted to make sure we had a screenshot of Phil Nevin dressing up his camera shot. You make fun of Kratzy. This is broken, though. His is broken plant. Yeah, broken plant. Should I go back there and break your plant? No, don't. don't break my. I'm not saying that Phil's doing everything right. I'm oh. just saying like he's trying, and ours is better. Okay. But you were making fun of Kratzy because he had nothing behind him. I give you here it is. I give you a plant right here. Yeah. And Phil Nevin's on the same page as me. And also, I can defend myself and say whatever I want because if you have a problem, Phil Nevin will kick your ass, and everyone else <laughs> he's stronger than everyone according to you guys. So and you can't. Like, oh, rah, 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 rah. He rocks all the time. Yeah. You can't, you can't, uh, you can't break that plant either, AJ, because Scott's taking it back 89 days after he bought it. True, true. My no, I'm not like that. That's you guys. I don't do that. I give. Uh, what's the rich place I bought it from? I give IKEA their money. They can rich keep it. <laughs> rich place. Swedish <laughs> meatball. Yes. Exactly. Uh, Brock star Jeff Fun. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Dude, you kept us way too long. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, by that's, far that's... the longest show we've ever had. By far. Well, we had some people that could talk. We did. We did. We had some talkers. We'll do it again soon with you, Brock. Awesome having you on, man. Hey, Brock, good luck in the marathon this oh, weekend. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, marathon. yeah. Monday. Monday. Here I want to know your time. I need your time, bro. Run fast. Take chances. <laughs> yeah. No. Take the subway like the girl did in New York.